0: hello everyone and welcome back to the father-son packers podcast your source for packers news notes and analysis my name is tommy and i'm joined as always by my
1: co-host my dad matt dad how are you doing doing all right it's been uh you know typical california bay area weather where it's been foggy and drizzly every day and the high has been about 60. (laughs) welcome to the summer
0: And the the stereotype is always sunny California, but when you're in Northern California, that's really hardly ever the
1: case, honestly. If you're on the coast. If you're you're, you're inland.
0: Oh, that's true.
1: You know, that's going to be like 120 this weekend, probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, even down here in Southern California, down in San Diego, I mean, we didn't really have any consistent sun until the last two weeks. Although that is a little out of the ordinary. We are coming to you here. On a Tuesday night, a little earlier than usual, but wanted to get this out to you. And we are talking today, finishing up our series about the NFC North. Talking defense today. Before we get into that, though, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, anything like that. You know, keeping you up to date on what's going on in Titletown. We are the follow for that. You want to come give us a follow, we'll, we'll keep you in touch with what's going on with the green and gold. If you really like what you heard, come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice too. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc., etc. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. You can even find us on YouTube, so go subscribe to us there. That would really help our numbers. We put all of our episodes out there as well. Wherever you want to listen to us, you can listen to us. We appreciate it. But yes, like we said. Today, we are going to be continuing with our series about the NFC North, kind of previewing defense today. And the system that we did for this on offense, we kind of explained in depth there in our previous episode. You can go check that out. Last week's, uh, we do a little more of explaining the methodology behind it. We don't want to drag down this episode too much talking about it. Um, But if you're curious about it, you can uh, look at it there. But the idea essentially is to using PFF grades, which admittedly, not exactly the perfect metric for performance but it's a pretty good one um they do a good job looking play to play and there is some subjectivity to it but there is no perfect metric honestly but essentially using that along with projected snap percentage which is essentially how much the player that was in that player's role the year previously played so let's say um Uh, DJ Moore was the wide receiver one for the Bears. We take the snap percentage for the wide receiver one for the Bears last year, which would have been Mooney, and then use that number to kind of essentially create a weighted average uh, of the PFF grade for a position. So essentially the weights are how much that player is playing, how many plays that player is playing. Um, the score is their PFF grade. And that kind of outputs essentially a grade for the entire position group. And the idea is like a, the more a player is on the on the field, the more their grade actually matters, et cetera, et cetera. Dad, is there right. anything I'm leaving out that you want to kind of touch yeah. on before we start talking about the defense?
1: I mean, that's the main thing. It's kind of a common sense if you have a really good player playing 90% of the snaps, that's going to matter more than a player with a really good grade who plays 10% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. So we, we that gets taken into account. And then we make a prediction for uh, the rookies based on how rookies did the, the previous five years in, the, in their rookie year. I just wanted to do a quick um, revisit of last week's um, offense analysis. So Ooh, because you I- talk about... Could I ask oh, you yeah, one but-
0: question before that? Sure. I forgot. I was going to say we are a little bereft of Packers news at the moment. Oh. But, but, but did you see David Bakhtiari
1: absolutely smoke George Kittle in a beer chugging competition? <laughs> he could have lapped him. He could have. He could have <laughs> done two. And did you see who his teammate was? Yes, I saw. I was like, oh, it's of course it's T- Tucker Craft. Of, at- <laughs> <laughs> of course it's Tucker Craft. Of course it's Tucker Craft. They they crushed the. Uh, the Niners. Who was it? Uh, it
0: was uh, Kittle and, and DeForest Buckner, I think. Buckner. Former
1: Niner. Former Niner. Um, that's true. Former Niner. But, but yeah, so so as you know, like oh man, these guys are gonna crush. So Kittle, I so Kittle did finish before Craft, but you know, could have easily finished two before Buckner, yes. maybe three.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was <laughs> it was an impressive showing. You know, he's getting a little older. But some skills you just don't forget. You can yeah, take
1: so <laughs> you can Su- Super Bowl Super Bowl coming.
0: I mean, and I th- what was it? Someone said you see that? That's the third round curse being broken with uh, Tucker. <laughs> yes. <Taff> winning that. <laughs> who
1: was it who wrote that? Uh, I think it was like it was Zach uh, Cruz. I believe Zach, Zach Cruz. That was yeah. I was gonna say Zach. Uh... Yeah, I think you're right. That was yeah. It, it was. It was, funny.
0: it was great. I mean, it's great to see you know the rookies like kind of. You know, team building. That's that's team building, and it's important, and yep. it's fun to joke about. But it's it's better when the team is close. You know, it's always more fun when the team is having fun, mm-hmm. and to see something like that with Bakhtiari, one of the oldest members of the team, pairing up with the rookie, it's it's fun stuff. And you know, they seem like two guys who would get along.
1: <laughs> yes. Um The other thing I'll say, actually, is, and there's a little bit of this. I had there's the interview with uh, Elton.
0: Yes, on Good Morning Football.
1: Yeah, yeah, where he talks about uh, how we how well we expect to win the North.
0: I mean, sure, why not? That's the <laughs> right? that's the attitude I want. But I want players to have. He also talked a little bit about how um, moving to right tackle off the ACL is the hardest thing he's had to do in his entire career playing football, which I believe because that sounded very tough, and I thought a lot of people were. A little tough on him playing right tackle last year. They essentially were willing to be like, "No, he's not a right tackle." I'm like, uh, "He's coming off a torn ACL and playing a position he's that never That was. So
1: far. I, I still don't necessarily believe that. That's not enough evidence to say he can't play right tackle. I agree. It, it's, it's just as likely, and probably more so, that his leg just wasn't ready yet. And then, I mean, as back, it got better as the year went on, then that he started playing better.
0: Exactly. He came back sooner than I think anyone expected him to.
1: He yeah, missed, it was uh, only like 10 months.
0: Yeah, I think he missed because he got hurt in December. Uh, was if it I remember December correctly. was it November. But
1: anyway, he was back in week two.
0: Yeah, which is playing on the field. Was it week two or week three? I think it was week two. I'm not say. 100% but, sure. Um, was there anything else that I missed from Packers land recently? Oh, the other piece of news. I don't know if you saw this today. Uh, Lucas Van Ness officially um, signed his contract. Yes, I did see that. So now it's only Jaden Reed. uh, Both second rounders. I believe I think uh, both Musgrave and Reed have not signed yet. Okay. um, Based on what I uh, saw the other day. Um, But yeah, that's the main thing going on in Packers land. We are still counting down the days to training camp Uh, July 25th, I believe, or 26th. uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but still about a month away. Um, he did play in week two. He only missed week one. Um, just was double checking that Elton, that is. Um, but yeah, so slow news uh, coming out of Green Bay, but no bad news is always good news. Um, uh, the only other interesting piece of news that is not even really Packers related, but if you're interested in it, Hard Knocks is apparently going to be the Jets um, this year. It's not you official. Knew.
1: You knew it had to be the Jets. How could they pick anybody else but the Jets?
0: The Jets don't want to, too. They're being... No, they too.
1: hate... I'm sure, sure Rodgers hates it.
0: I'm sure every team that gets hard knocks hates it. Like, honestly. There's been a few
1: that embraced it, but most team, those teams don't want to do it.
0: The best uh, pitch I heard for hard knocks was that it should just be the team that has Jamal Williams every year which I mean, I am a hundred percent. That would be weird. very good. That's I believe it amazing. was, uh, Hayden winks of, um, underdogs. <laughs> do, do you mean,
1: uh, Hingle McCringleberry?
0: Hingle McCringleberry. I, I mean, I would watch, I could watch Jamal Williams. I mean, if he wants to, I mean, he could do a career in like network television broadcast, like he could do anything after. And I think he'd just be so wildly entertaining. People would watch. So SpongeBob out there. It was a mermaid. Uh... He's, he's such a funny guy. I love Jamal Williams. Um, hope he does well in the saints this year and you know as, as saints um as saints hard knocks would have been pretty good but those are pretty much the main news going around the nfl nothing really much else going on but anyway dad should we start talking about the defenses of the nfc north uh the only other piece of I, information I, that i wanted to tack onto this is we are not taking into account coaching which for the packers is probably a good thing
1: um no offense <laughs> joe barry but uh last yeah, year we left I, a little I, to be desired I did just want to add a few little notes to the offense from oh, last week. Oh, you're right. Yes, sorry. I, I cut you off. Because after our discussion, you were talking about, well, why did I pick PFF? And in part because there's one for every position. But then I thought, well, let me look at some others. Um, so I, I took a look for wide receivers DVOA. So I could do like their rushing grades and their receiving grades by DVOA, DVOA from Football Outsiders. And by that metric – the Packers moved up from fourth to third,
0: okay, by DVOA instead
1: of PV- PFF. The other thing we talked about that we didn't—I didn't have time to—and you could say I was too lazy to—and then I got obsessed with it was the offensive line pass blocking versus run blocking. So we were both kind of surprised how the Packers ended up last.
0: Yeah, and if you don't remember, we went through the offensive lines. And it shook out that we were projecting, essentially, the Packers to be last. And what we were kind of thinking about was, well, how does this shake out if you look at run blocking versus pass blocking? Because I feel like the Packers have a very good pass blocking line, but maybe the run blocking last year left a lot to be desired, and that's why they're projected to be... We were projecting them, essentially, given this system of looking at snap rate and PFF grade to be
1: the lowest graded offensive line amongst the NFC North teams. Yeah, so then when I looked at their pass blocking... Um, grade only, and and the run blocking grade only, so separate them, Green Bay as a unit was first in pass blocking by a significant margin, Um, but they were dead last in run blocking. So their top, in pass blocking, they had a a score of 76.7 as the top, and then And Minnesota was last, actually. They had the the best overall score, but they were last in pass blocking at 65.7. Then in run blocking, Minnesota was first at 76.6. Green Bay was 60. They were 10 points worse in run blocking than the second worst run blocking unit, the Lions.
0: Yeah, and I think the biggest culprits of that, looking at the individuals, were Myers, uh, who went from an above-average pass blocker at like a 74 point a good pass blocker at 74.3 down to an abysmal run blocker down at fifty-three and a half, and the same thing is true of Runyon and the same thing is true of Tom and the same thing is true of Nyman so pretty much center to right tackle were all poor poor run blockers last year um, no matter who's starting a right tackle Tom or Nyman and then Bakhtiari has a large drop off from being an elite pass protector to a kind of of middle-of-the-road run blocker. And in fact, the only one who was better at run blocking than pass blocking was Elton. Um, And the rest of them were all pretty poor uh, run blockers last year. And you you could argue, hey, if every single one of your linemen is struggling to run block... Maybe that has to do a little bit more to do with scheme than anything, which could lead you to be a little bit concerned when a lot of the optimism surrounding Green Bay's offense this year is, hey, they're still gonna be able to run the ball. It's like, well, what do you mean by still? Because they couldn't run the ball that well last year, to be honest. So
1: Yeah, and so the the thing to look for Yeah, so they pay to say Green Bay's really good at finding linemen. Well they're really good at finding pass blocking linemen. Yeah. But also so then the other thing I did is you take this and then You adjust for pass snap percentage and run snap percentage for each team because it's not the same for each team. Um, Then Green Bay ended up second in overall um, offensive line score, just barely behind Minnesota, and Chicago was last. So that actually made them as a unit look much better. Um, So some of that is how well does your offensive line strength align with your play-calling philosophy? So, like, the Bears had, you know, better run blocking than pass blocking, and they run a lot last year. Yeah, and the other question that I have is just, you know,
0: you see all these across the board pretty high pass blocking grades for the Packers, and what you'll hear a lot of analysts say is that sacks are a function of the quarterback, and you wonder if a lot of those pass blocking numbers might take a little bit of a dip. Maybe not necessarily for players like Bakhtiari and Elton, who are like established like pro bowlers, but guys like Runyon, guys like Myers, guys like Tom and Nyman, have their pass blocking numbers been being propped up a little bit by the fact that Rodgers is so quick to get the ball out, is very good at setting protections, et cetera, et cetera. That's another thing that I just,
1: I wonder. it be very interesting to see. One thing, at least in Love's short stint, he seemed to be getting the ball out on schedule. Yes. Uh, yeah. So on time, hit the hit hit the, the the top of the drop, and make the read and throw. So we'll see if that holds up. So the other thing about you know love overall. So you remember in PFF rating, so the other. I also looked at other ratings. As I was talking about, I looked for at quor- five quarterbacks, different ratings for quarterback for quarterbacks specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically, because there is a lot of numbers out there you can get for quarterbacks easily enough. So I looked at. So he started with PFF that had Cousins first and Love. Second, but then QB rating, um, which I I think I got that from ESPN, EPA per play, which you had um found, um, DYAR per play from Football Outsiders. So I wanted to use both the passing and the rushing, so I didn't just go for DVOA for passing, it I wanted to include the rushing grade and how much how often they rush so that fields wouldn't be getting you know cheated for how good a, without including how good a runner he is. And ESPN's QBR, which, you know, I think is their proprietary metric. Anyway, Love was first in everything but PFF. Small sample size. So, yeah. So as you would think, because he has so few, they're all essentially measuring how well he did in those few.
0: Yeah. And it's and it's a very small sample size, but, you know, it's better than him being last in all of those metrics <laughs> is all I'm going to say. Yes. Um, so but-
1: anyway, with that little adjustment <laughs> – yeah, it, it improves the the Packers' overall standing as well if, if you take more data in. But anyway, let's move on to defense,
0: especially when you take more data in that favors the Packers. I mean, I love I love doing that. It's one of my favorite. But I
1: I I, I I I I will say I did not find other sources of data and throw them out. <laughs> you just yes,
0: but oh,
1: we'll sweep that one under the rug. Yeah, yeah. for me, hey. oh, not,
0: not for me. <laughs>
1: no, it, it's always
0: important when you're looking at data to because you, you to notice not I
1: still to... included that. Packers were dead last by a significant margin in the run blocking.
0: Yeah, and, and that's I think something to be legitimately a bit concerned mm. about. Um, yeah, because
1: everybody says lean on the ru- lean on the running game, lean on the running game, lean on the running. Game. That's the worst part of their blocking. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, especially at least last year. And you know, like at the same time, it's like, hey, Jones still had a pretty good year last year. Um, Dylan was still fifth in success rate. Um, although- yeah, he was
1: fifth, and Jones was like third. He was also like top six.
0: Uh, I can't remember what Jones was off the top of my head. I just remember that Dylan was quite high. Um, you, you, I'll vamp while you while well, you
1: check. Yeah, because I, I I saw it on um, Football Outsiders. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so if yes, you vamp, so, I will find the, the same same time, success rate.
0: Yeah, they didn't block well for the run last year. They still had a, some success again on uh, the run. You would expect more, honestly. I think. Um, you know, I was still pretty disappointed in Dylan's year last year, despite him being fifth in success rate and grading out pretty yeah. well per PFF's
1: grading. But so Dylan was fifth in success rate, and Jones was sixth in success rate.
0: Yeah, and it, it's interesting that they could be so high in success rate and yet the run blocking could be
1: graded so low, which is just well, it's know. it's their what what they're contributing to the success. Ah, you think it's it's all Jones and it's Dylan? separate. It's sep- Well, that's I think they're trying to separate out the offensive lines contribution from the running backs contribution depending on you know where the play is stopped essentially
0: yeah and you know there's always like the like maybe they're just so all over the place that they have these incredible negative plays that are just bringing it down but the the overall success rate is better because like you know seven out of ten plays they're blocking okay and then three plays they're completely blowing something so the success rate will be okay because 7 out of 10 plays, the running backs get the yards they need. And then 3 out of 10, they're just hitting negative yardage. But a yeah. negative play is still, a, like, it's just a 1 or
1: a 0. Right. When you're looking at a success rate, it's not giving you uh, extra negative for uh, epic fail.
0: Exactly. That, that's just one thought in my mind as we're, like, looking at these numbers. But we are here today to talk about the defense, Dad. We have talked enough about the offense. <laughs> we did a whole episode, if you want to go listen to it, talking about the offenses of the NFC I North. just
1: had some addenda. <laughs>
0: Just a couple footnotes, that's all. But let's talk a little bit about the defenses of the NFC North because I think, you know, there's a lot of talent on the Packers' defense and a lot of cautious optimism there was a lot of reckless optimism last year <laughs> um, and I would say that got a little too far over our skis but there is a good amount of cautious optimism surrounding the Packers defense this year so let's yeah. talk you mean little... they're not gonna be they not gonna be
1: second overall in defense this year
0: I mean I would settle for top 10 I would be ve- I, no not I'll be I would ecstatic I would be very, top 10 very happy with top 10 um, but let's talk a little bit about the Packers or the defenses of the NFC North in general. And let's start with the defensive line. Like we said, we are essentially essentially creating a weighted average of PFF grades based on snap percentage, um projected snap percentage based on the role each player has on their team. Um and we're going to start with the defensive line. And looking at this, um just ranking the teams uh 1 to 4 Um, The Vikings, we are projecting to have the best defensive line in the NFC North with our good old friend Dean Lowry, uh, Kyrus Tonga, Harrison Phillips, James Lynch, and TJ Smith with a composite score of 68.5. In second, we have the Bears with a composite score of 62.2 with Andrew Billings, Justin Jones, rookie Zach Pickens, rookie Jervon Dexter, and Andrew Brown. The Packers, we have in third with a composite score of 61.4. So just a touch below the Bears. The Vikings had a larger lead up top. Um, Packers having, of course, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, um, Colby Wooden, and Carl Brooks. uh, Two rookies there at the end of the depth chart. And then the Lions in fourth with a grade of 57.3. So another chunk below the Packers. With Ali McNeil, Isaiah Bugs, Levi on Wuzurike, Broderick Martin, uh, the rookie, and Christian Covington. Um, I think that this one is makes sense although i think that the packers ceiling is higher than any of these other teams because if wyatt can play up to his first round pick um his draft put his draft investment we'll say and kenny clark can have a bit of a bounce back year because i would say you know i think last year was one of the less impressive seasons of his career i thought he struggled at times last year and and wasn't the dominant force that he usually is inside um i think the packers could easily jump up to one on this list what do you think dad
1: Yeah, I think they have the highest ceiling because they've. um, So if Wyatt plays like a first rounder um, and Clark plays like he did two years ago or three years ago or four years ago, um, I guess the one down year he had before this was when he had like the groin, the pulled groin in 2020. I think so. I think because 2019 had a good year and everybody around him played better. And then he was hurt in 2020 and the whole front, um, defensive front uh, had a down year uh, with that. But so if he plays like he has for most of his career, I think he'll be significantly better. And Wyatt, we'll see if he if how how he uh, improves. Um, and maybe and we'll see how the this is their projected snaps based on their own. Um, I think maybe this is the, the the various websites are using what the Packers have released as their projected um, depth chart. But uh, we'll see if Slayton ends up ahead of Wyatt and how this how this all goes. Is it weird that I'm maybe a
0: little more excited about Slayton than Wyatt? Is that crazy? I feel like we've seen more flashes from Slayton, honestly. I know he's played more, but...
1: He's played a lot more, but, but uh, Slayton's just got a very interesting profile being such a huge... Like 330 pounds. I like think he slimmed down to 336, 335 or something because he was like 360, but he was still dunking a ball, dunking a basketball at 360 pounds and yeah. six foot... Is he 6'5"? I don't think he's that big. I would guess he's like 6'2", 6'3". Um, I don't think he's shorter but, than six three, but he's a freak athlete. Yeah, and so and everybody talks about his this run stuffer, but he always shown I think some being able to. Um, they like, list him at six four. I'm going to say he's six four. So to come around on a stunt and split the gap sometimes at a at a big nose tackle kind of guy, I I, I think he's got potential to be a really good player. We'll see. And but Wyatt is a freak athlete as well. In, yeah, in, like in nine. Was it like nine point eight RAS or nine five RAS? Something, something very high.
0: I think this is another scenario, though, where if you split it, past pass grade and pass defense and run defense, the the Packers would would yeah. have a large variance. We'll say. I think the I am a little concerned about the run defense this year,
1: and I've heard a lot. Well, of, yeah, um, we were like one of the worst around last year. It was not terrible. Good. I mean, it wasn't good. what was it, the average? I think I've I've heard of this from I think I think it was multiple sources, or I've heard it from the same source multiple times it's like 5 yards per carry they gave up on first down. It's like I mean, the first you, and nobody round. has to run. Nobody ever I mean, nobody nobody has to throw. You cannot that's like a first down every two downs just running the, running the ball.
0: Yeah. It, Yuck. it it was really bad. And the thing is it's like I mean, think about how great the pass defense is when the other team just never passes. Um but the <laughs> the question is just like Let's see, by rush, by DVOA, the Packers were the second worst run defense in the league in 2022. Um, so that's wow, not how, great.
1: How bad was that other
0: team? It's crazy because the other team was the Giants, which is kind of surprising to me with how good
1: their their interior defensive line is. Um, it could, yeah. Well, I guess it, you you could you could be you could be bad in other parts as well, though. By like you know bad tackling by the linebackers yeah. or the safeties. That's that's you know <laughs> nudge nudge, Green Bay. <laughs> yep. It's not. I'm 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 gonna green, I'm not green. Oh man. I'm just not spoiling it. anything this year. It's 2022. It's not, green Bay Packers say, hold my beer.
0: It's not getting <laughs> any better. This year, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't hope I'm not spoiling anything. I don't think the tackling from the safety position is going to be better this year.
1: But um, maybe they could go back to what they were two years ago, which was funny because like two years ago, tackling was one of the best things this team did on is, defense. And then last year they were just, terrible.
0: Is tackling just noisy? Is tackling just that something that's That is something not sticky, I have not
1: all? looked at it or not heard people talk about whether tackling is sticky or not as a team. And when we say sticky, that just means
0: like, if you're good, if something is sticky, that means like. If you're good in tackling, in 20, if you're good in tackling in 2020, you'll be good in tackling in 2021. If things don't change, if like there aren't dramatic changes, and you'll be good in tackling in 2022. If things don't change, it's kind of like the idea of one score games. One score games are not sticky. That means like if you go ten and one in one score games in one year, you're probably gonna go back to like being 5 and 5 in one score games the I'm next. I'm looking year. at you Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings, yes. <laughs> um, but it's just something that's not it's it's kind of random. Is tackling inherently random? Is and it's something where it's like maybe, I don't know, that's something we could maybe look into. We got some time before training camp starts. But anyway, that's kind of how we see the defensive line working out. Let's move on to edge, where at the edge position we have in first The Lions um, coming up with a composite score of 76.3 with Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston, John Kaminsky, and Charles Harris. We have the Vikings in second um, with Marcus Davenport, their new addition, who's kind of taking the place of Zadarius Smith there. Daniil Hunter, and this might be subject to change because apparently they
1: are listing two offers on him. If they trade him, then the Vikings unit is going to take a big drop. Yeah, because he's quite a player. DJ Wanam and Patrick
0: Jones uh, with a composite score of 73.8. Um, so these top three are very clustered together with Lion 76.3, Viking 73.8. And then in third, the Packers with 71 with Gary Smith, Van Ness, and barre And then a big drop down to the Bears in fourth Sick. at 57.2. You barely two, see them down there. With uh, Gibson, DeMarcus Walker, Dominic Robinson, and Rasheem Green. Um, I think that this is in some ways. Uh, so question, what did you do with Gary's snap count? <sighs>
1: Cause, 'Cause that is the big yeah, question. Yeah, that will that should be should be adjusted actually. Because if you're you It'll depend gonna... on how many games you think he's gonna miss.
0: Yeah, and I would be surprised if he didn't miss any, I think, at this point. Um I know right
1: we... and he is substantially better PFF grade than anybody else on the on the depth chart. Oh yeah. And I think so that's the big question here. Lifting everybody up.
0: So, yeah, the big question for the the Packers is how much Gary's going to play. The big question for the Vikings is, is Daniil Hunter going to be there. And I think the Lions have essentially the least amount of questions, although you could ask, like, hey, um, is James Houston, like he was a, a rookie last year who had quite the year. Um, is, like, was that – is he going to have a sophomore slump? Like, it, I mean, I, I w- I'm not saying he's going to, but, you know, his – Performance last year, in some ways, came out of nowhere um, because he was a late-round pick. Um, so that's just—there are, there are question marks there. And then the Bears, you know, not a lot of talent at that edge position right now. They're still rebuilding along that defensive line. Kind of makes sense that they're a bit of a distance fourth. They're not a complete roster as of right now. Um, so here's—so
1: here's, anything- here's uh, so I just did a little quick check. If I take 220 snaps away from Gary, it's like four games. Yeah, it's like four games. Um, four or five and dis- distribute them right. So that's like four games playing every snap, which I don't have them doing anyway. Yeah, and distribute those amongst the X three. They go down to about a sixty nine. Okay, great. Instead of a seventy one.
0: Okay, so so a gap, but still a very solid third. Um, yeah, still which, wait,
1: still yeah, still in still in the good to above you know above average to good range.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think it's interesting because. So you currently have Van Ness and Enigbare. Do you see a universe where Hollins cracks the top four, or do you think he's distinctly fifth, or do you think there might be a different fifth pass rusher? <laughs> like,
1: in, Brenton in Cox? Cox's. Yeah. Yeah, so so far Hollins has been practicing ahead of Enigbare in and main ahead camp.
0: Of, and ahead of Van At, Ness.
1: Yeah, I guess it's For the sure majority it. of the time. Though the, the reports of Van Ness from people who've watched are, seem very encouraging.
0: Yeah, but, but Van so, Ness— So, so far,
1: Van Ness is not a starter like he was not a starter at Iowa. I mean,
0: I'm just saying that the majority <laughs> yeah. of first-team reps have gone to uh, Justin Hollins.
1: Yes, and uh, I should have looked his up. I didn't want to go five deep in the edge rusher group, which I suppose I could that's have. That's fair. I think the Packers do have the fi- the best fifth person
0: there. I think that that's fair to say.
1: Yeah, and as for, like, Brenton Cox— it's like, I don't know what to do to figure out the expected PFF of a UDFA rookie. It's not it's even like, worth doing. How do you how do you even get that number? Exactly.
0: And, and so so I, think,
1: right, so I or you could say, oh, I'll just say he's a second rounder because that's where okay. he would have gone if All he didn't right. have trouble. Calm down. <laughs> Calm
0: down.
1: That's enough out of you. Oh. Um, yeah. You, you need to go. Give me the keys. Yep. Um But that's those
0: are my main questions around that edge position. I think it's it's reasonable to see three. Um, I personally think that I'm a little surprised. I think that, um, you know, it is an odd year for Preston. I'm just saying. I'm, just, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Right. He's going to be um,
1: – this is, this, is
0: this is a big year. It's a big year for him, hopefully. Yes.
1: So so I should say that Hollins' PFF grade is only a couple points, a few points below Enigbar is. It would have minimal impact. Especially as the fourth edge rusher where they're getting a lot fewer snaps.
0: Yeah. I I'm think just, on, on the
1: it may have knocked down uh may knock down like half a point. Yeah. Let's I was just cur- I, I was quick. just curious
0: because he has been playing ahead of everyone with Preston a lot of the time with the ones. Um and they seem really high on him. I think getting him off the Rams last year when he was cut or waived um this
1: yeah, season. That was weird because they they didn't save that much money on the cap when they cut him. I was like, I was like, please cut him so we can pick him up because we desperately need another edge rusher. Yeah, desperate. I mean,
0: we were begging uh, Whitney Merciless to come out of retirement and to come suit up one more time. I mean, he was really good in in twenty twenty one, but uh, we were we were be- we were begging him to come back. Um, but yeah, so I think that's interesting at that edge position. Um, but do you want to move on to
1: inside linebacker? Or did you have anything else you wanted to talk about there? Um. That was the main thing. The thing that would change a lot is, I suppose, if uh, Hollins ended up being, like, number two and got that many snaps. Yeah. But uh, it takes him instead of Anagbari, changes their overall rate, grade by, like, half a point.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think if if Hollins has taken more snaps than Van Ness, I'd be a little concerned um,
1: outside I would, of injuries. Yeah, I do not expect it. I yeah. think it's just a matter of getting Van Ness up to speed. Um, I think he's going to move up the up rapidly and, and maybe he'll actually do enough to should be like being contrib- being considered on the uh, D line uh, see how he lines up actually. He may end up taking more D line snaps than Wooden or Brooks. Yeah. Van you Van Ness you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally
0: see it. Moving on to inside linebacker though. Um with these rankings uh we got the Bears at a seventy six point six in first. Um, adding Tremaine Edmonds from the Bills and TJ Edwards from the Eagles over this offseason and then having Jack Sanborn and Dylan Coles, they're three and they're four um, adding those two big time players there from you know winning teams, good defenses over the past years is definitely great adds for them. Um, in second we got the Vikings with a 73, so pretty close behind them um, with Brian Asamoah Jordan Hicks, Troy Reader, and William uh, Quinqueu, I think is how it's pronounced In third we got the Packers with a 64.2, so big drop there from the second one um, with Devondre Campbell, who had a bit of a down year last year, Quay Walker, uh, Isaiah McDuffie, and Tariq Carpenter, who is moving to his new spot at linebacker after being a safety um, last year. And then in last, we have the Lions. Um, with Alex Anzalone, first round pick Jack Campbell, Malcolm Rodriguez, and Derek Barnes, a little surprised to see the Lions so low on this list, um, given that they're adding a first rounder. Then Malcolm Rodriguez was pretty—I um, mean, he was a—he was a hard knocks darling, I believe, was the big thing for him. And then you know yeah. Derek Barnes uh, has had some good moments, and I think was a pretty high draft pick for them. Uh, I think a lot of this, for but he's—they have him
1: fourth on their depth chart, and Anzalone, and he had—you know—had over a thousand snaps last year. So here's the thing about. First round linebackers, their average PFF grade, it was a rookie year, is only fifty four point four.
0: That's pretty bad. I so mean, there's, there's this a lot of just, this just
1: adds more fuel to the don't draft first round off ball linebackers fuel fire. Good
0: thing, good so thing we did so
1: that. Walker, yeah, so he had a fifty one point nine. So he just slightly underperformed the average for rookie first round line um interior linebackers he had, he had decent moments
0: last year and i, I yeah. think they just need to let him rush the passer more because or yeah, blitz so... more and just you know fly around a little bit more i don't know yeah and the, with interesting, strikes. the interesting thing was as we talked about um in our otas and um mini camp episode was that uh quay walker was getting some sets as the sole inside linebacker um, which i thought was interesting since you know you'd expect campbell to have that role um that's the only thing that i think is interesting for the packers inside linebackers besides the fact that carpenter's moving there i think the bears are the biggest interesting thing here because you got two guys who've never played together but you know they spent spe- um, a good amount of capital in free agency to bring these two guys in in Edmonds
1: and edwards edwards and they um, both had excellent um very good to excellent pff grades last year yeah and edwards is a badger too so that's cool ah
0: um, but I think that's the that's the biggest one to keep an eye on there is their composite score is very good, but it is a, more of a projection than these other ones because they've never played together and they're playing on a new team, new system. And I just think that's, you know, just something to keep an eye on there that while we are projecting them to have the best middle linebacker group, I think there is a little more inherent volatility there given the fact that, you know, not as much experience as these other groups. I do think also that linebacker is, you know, I think the NFL knows and I think the fact that it's not a it's not considered a premium position. Um, we are weighting all of these positions equally when we're doing kind of our final output at the end. But I do think like we talked about with the Packers having the best running back group in the offensive section, that's the least important position probably. And then here with the bears having the best linebacker group, I would say the linebackers are probably the least important position of any of these ones on defense as well.
1: Yeah. So it's uh we did not weight positions based on their perceived value. We haven't actually done it. I haven't done an analysis myself to see, does it hold up to, does the, uh, you know, conventional wisdom hold up to scrutiny or not. Um, But we also, and we also have not um, incorporated, you know, how much better you are in each position. So yeah, we just, it's just a straight up rank one through four, as opposed to, we could have just summed up the PFF grades for the different positions. And so then you would get, you know, I wonder how that would have turned out. You you get more of a, a bump for, how much you, know, better you are. You're if you're much better when you're in, in first and only a little bit behind when you're in second, I should have done that. That, that yeah. would have been easy.
0: There's something to, you know, just something to think about. But, you know, at the same time, you know, some of these positions matter more than others. I think you'd have to
1: do some waiting there as well,
0: but just something. Yeah. So well, let's
1: see. The Packers are first in cornerback. So clearly – that needs to be tripled. That's, that's the most important position by far, of course.
0: But like you teased here, the Packers, as we're moving on to cornerback, do have the best score for us, four corners with a 69.4 which is lower than any of the other first place ranks we've had, uh, or no, sorry, a little bit higher than the defensive line grade, uh, composite grade that we had earlier, but the second uh, lowest of any of these position groups of the like first place in those positions. For the leaders. For yeah. the leaders, um, which Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, uh, Keyshawn Nixon, and then Eric Stokes in that fourth spot, I think that's a bit of a projection as well, given the fact that he is still recovering from a pretty extreme injury. Although, it is it does seem like he's at least like warming up and moving around a little bit. In second, we got the Lions uh, with a grade of 66.7, just a little bit behind the Packers with Emmanuel Mosley, Cameron Sutton, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who they just brought in from the Eagles. I think they also might have just brought in Emmanuel Mosley as well. Um, and Jerry Jacobs. The Vikings with a big drop down to 54.3 with Andrew Booth, who is going into his second year but didn't play much as a rookie because of injury, uh, Byron Murphy, uh, Caleb Bevins, and then rookie Makai Blackman, um, and then the Bears in last but just a hair behind them with 53.9, only 0.4 below the Vikings, with rookie Tyreek Stevenson, um, Jalen Johnson, who's a good young player, Kyler is going into his second year, I believe, and then Kendall Vildor um, in that fourth spot. I think it's pretty fair to say that the Packers corner room is on paper much better than the rest of the teams in this division. I would say though, I'm a little surprised the gap is as small as it is, given the names the Packers have at those positions and the amount of money that they've invested at that position and capital.
1: Yeah, so Jair is far and away the best number one, and it's not and it's not close. Emmanuel Mosley is the next best, and he's ten points behind. Some of these t- number one corners, their their PF grades are in the forties and fifties. The other, um, but uh, Nixon and Stokes are not very good. It is surprising that it came out this close in some ways. But Sto- and you talk about Stokes' health, he's only projected to have like two hundred ninety um, snaps as the currently listed fourth of the depth chart corner. It's interesting that the distribution is different for different teams. Um, some teams have more for their third and fourth corners, or at least for the fourth corner than, than others. Particularly, the Packers had used and not very many snaps in their fourth corner. while the Lions had almost as much for their fourth corner as their third corner.
0: Yeah, and I, I do think it's interesting. And, you know, the Lions had a big change uh, at the corner position as well, trading Jeff Okuda to the Falcons. Um, top five pick that just didn't work out there, um, but I, I just find it interesting that the Packers are so far, like are, are so far below where I would have projected them because you know just on paper, like I am I am surprised that, for instance, the, um, let's just say that the the Lions' edge rushers, I'm surprised on paper by PFF grade, are better than the Packers' corners when the Packers have two first-round picks, a high-priced free agent in Douglas, and then Keyshawn Nixon at corner. I, I just find it surprising because, do you think, is it a function of Rasul having a bit of a down year last year after having that really good year that got him his contract? Is it a function
1: of Nixon maybe not being as
0: highly graded as some other players? What do you, what do you think that might be?
1: So I think it's, you know- Russell's overall grade was not as good as year before, and neither was Stokes. He was also down compared to his rookie year. And Nixon is a little bit more of an his his grade is not as not as good. Um, so I think it, it's it it is a little interesting. I think one thing that maybe we don't get out of some of this is maybe like three points is a bigger difference than it seems.
0: It's possible, because maybe... what we're really
1: looking at is being like, you know, that the Packers are like nine and a half points above the average sort of baseline, and this the so the Packers Packers are nine and a half and the the lines are only like six point seven above the mean, and maybe that's a better way to think about It's like how much you are above replacement, or how much you are below pr- replacement and then it seems like a bigger difference.
0: Yeah, it's it's just interesting because you know with the amount of capital the Packers have invested at that corner position, you'd, well, you'd expect it to be higher.
1: Remember how bad they were at the beginning of the year? That's true. And they were bad. They were really they were really bad straight up bad as a unit. And so I think that's part of it that's dragging their overall grade for the year down is just the total lack of cohesion and um, ability to play together as a team and know who had who should be covering whom. I think that give, gave them a, a, a worse overall grade than they had the year before and worse than they did at the end of the year. Yeah, and it's like... So some of it, if you think about the whole... If you have to take the entire year, it's not that surprising. If you think about the, the entire year as opposed to what we think their ceiling is. If we want to talk about ceiling, I think the ceiling for, and I could have done this, like, okay, let's take the best year for every player on every team. I think the Packers would crush in cornerback room.
0: Well, it's it's interesting to look at because, so I was just pulling up because I was curious. Um, the coverage grades for the Packers um, from 2022 by game um, from PFF just because I was curious, and what if I told you that uh, two of the Packers' three best coverage grades from PFF, and admittedly, you know, like we said, PFF is not—it's not perfect. Um, it's, I'm looking and at those it, numbers too. It's just a—it's <laughs> just a metric that can be useful. It's a tool like anything else. It has its flaws. Um, it has some subjectivity. You calling me a tool? You are, yes. Um, but but what if I told you that? two of their three best coverage grades were from the first seven weeks last year as a team, as a team. Well, it wasn't the Minnesota game. It was the bears game and the Washington commanders game. And what if I told you that their so their best game was against the bears in week two. Their second best game was against the bears in week 13. Um, their third best game was against the commanders in week seven. Their fourth best game was against the Vikings in week 17. And, or no, sorry, uh, yeah, their fifth best game was against the Jets in week six. And then their sixth best game was against the Lions, or against the Cowboys in week 10. Their seventh best game was against the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week three. So you're looking at it team by team, uh, week by week. And I just think it's just kind of interesting that, you know, through the first... Uh, seven weeks, um, through the commander's game, you've got, um, one, two, three, four, five grades above 65 and two grades below 51. And then after that commanders or, and then you got the bills game, 53 lions game, 53 good games against the Cowboys, the Eagles, the bears and the Vikings, but bad game is a bad game against the lions. Um, poor game against the dolphins, Poor game against, uh, poor, a below average game against the Rams. Poor, to below average game against the Titans. I'm surprised because I also felt like the coverage did get better as the year went on. But just if you're going by PFF coverage grade, like we said, not perfect. But if you look at that, just on a team by team basis, and I'll I'll just shoot you the link really quick if you weren't able to find it. Yeah, I want to. So um,
1: so to see the. Uh...
0: I just I just think it's just it's it's interesting that it maybe doesn't necessarily that these, those numbers. And, you know, maybe that's an indictment of the numbers, the numbers that they have in their grading, but that it doesn't necessarily align with as our feeling of how the coverage was as just people watching the game and as fans and, and people who, who record about this stuff, watching the game. Um, because I, I certainly felt that the coverage got better as the year went on. Um, but we can move on to safety. Um, and I can read that off while you take a look at those numbers, um, since that has a bit to do with coverage as well. In first for the safeties, we got the Vikings with a score of 69.5 with Harrison Smith, Cameron Bynum, Josh Metellus, and then Lewis Seen, who we're marking as a rookie because he played so little um, in his first year. Um, in second, just behind them, just point eight behind them with a score of 68.7, we have the Bears with Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson, Kendall Williamson, who was a rookie, and Elijah Hicks. In third, we have the Lions with a score of sixty-seven and a half, so same amount below, or point one point two below them, um, with Kirby Joseph, Tracy Walker, Ifiatu Melifanwu, and Brian Branch, who's a rookie, second round pick. And then in last, with a big jump down, score of (laughs) sixty-seven, are the Packers with Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Tavarius Moore, and Jonathan Owens. Um, Not surprising to see the Packers in last, given the state of the safety room last year and the fact that they haven't really made. I mean, they've made additions to it, but no large additions, you would say. I'm not surprised to see the safety room for the Packers down this far. I'm not surprised to see the big gap between third and fourth. I'm not surprised. Um, do you have any thoughts on the safety room or on those coverage grades as a whole? Any interest?
1: So for the on the safety room as a whole, so what you've got, it's not surprising that the Packers are going to have bad grades, but they also have added players. <laughs> so th- they're really hurt it. by – well. Moore's grade is actually not bad. Owens had a bad year, even though he had a good tackling, but his overall run defense wasn't good. And his overall defensive grade wasn't great either. Um, but what really hurts them here is their number one safety. A guy you expect to basically play 100% of the snaps. Because usually the top two safeties never leave the field. And Savage had a terrible PFF grade of 47.5. So that's like, what, 20 I mean, points? 20 points worse almost than all of the other number one safeties. I mean, so he, that's was, gonna, he was
0: benched last year. Like, yeah. He was benched last year. Like, I, I it mean, it's was no not surprise.
1: It's, but, but what, what maybe me a little surprising is, even though the, the having like a couple of new players in the depth chart didn't lift them out of the cellar.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's good to get changes there. Um, it seems like Rudy Ford kind of has that second spot. Locked up for now. So know. far, we'll see. He, no one else has really gotten reps at that first, at that second safety spot. Except and, for and
1: Ford's grade was pretty good last year, seventy-four point six. He's actually, let's see. Oh, he's the I, second best, second best number two safety uh, I, in the North. I have concerns. Uh, oh yeah. From, well,
0: it's um smaller sample size. Yeah, and I mean at least he can tackle. I, I think he showed last year in his small. Number of snaps as a starting safety when he got put in for Savage that he can tackle. Um, and Owens is a good tackler. Owens is a good tackler. Um, Not sure that how Ford good a tackler had that Moore is. One game with two picks, I believe.
1: Um, yes, he is his pick. Spe- and, and you know, it's it's just something where. And one thing we didn't account for here, as currently the number five safety, and is going to go up to number one, is. Um,
0: Oh, Anthony Johnson of course. Anthony Johnson
1: Jr is going to just Because you know that 7th round rookie safety's pro- projected grades are so high. I mean I think you... I, yeah, I, without looking it up at all, I expect it to be a 95. Oh,
0: 90 Why why are we <laughs> If we're going to if we're going to troll, we might as well just say 100. <laughs> like if we're just going to make up numbers. It's 120.
1: Um, theoretically impossible 120.
0: But here's the thing. I don't think anyone expects the Packers safety room to be good next year. Nope. I think optimists would say it'll be passable. Um, I think pessimists would say, "Oh my I, goodness, what's you're going right on I'll put my
1: head up. Yes, give you some, give you some passable.
0: If the, I think if the Packers' safeties are passable and Darnell Savage has a bounce-back year and is worth the fifth-year option,
1: that's a, just a super win for the Packers. If if they can get Darnell Savage, you know, I don't know if it's going to where they line him up, how they use him, back to what he was in 2020. This well, will be t- a much better safety room than it currently is projected to be.
0: It's the whole thing of like they drafted savage to play in Peton's system, and it it seems like he's struggled to to adapt to Barry's system
1: if my biggest beef with Barry is Me. his seeming inability to play to his to to um play to his player's strengths. That's your biggest beef. I don't think that's my biggest beef. My it's biggest like, beef is he, he puts his he doesn't put his players. In positions to succeed,
0: my biggest my biggest beef with Barry is that the just the repeated lapses of communication and discipline, just having tons of after the play penalties and no, not passing off coverages correctly. That's my number one. I I, I gotta go a rung or two down
1: for that. <laughs> but some of it is like you can see like why are they lining up this way? Why are they constantly drafting press corners? And then paying them ten yards off the line,
0: especially on third and two, we love doing that. And you know, it, it doesn't make sense, does it? And I think the, the 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 what saved Barry's job is that they improved a little bit on defense and did some of these changes as at the end of the year. But by then, it was too late. Kicking and screaming, yeah. But but by the end of the year, it was too late when they were making these changes. So, you know, it you is know what it is. who
1: I think Barry is. Who do you think Barry is? He's the man in the hot dog suit
0: we're all trying to find the guy who did this Tim Robinson. I think you should leave. It's a great, (laughs) great sketch show. That one is one of the best. Um, but so let's kind of wrap it up here as we're coming down to it. Overall for the defense, we are coming to essentially the idea that we have the Vikings ranked first overall, and this is just essentially averaging out, um, where they ranked among each position group, weighting each
1: position group completely equally. Um, the and, and not including like how much worse or how much better they are um, with their actual raw score.
0: Yeah. And the Vikings' um, summed ranks was nine. Remember, this is like golf, low score wins. Uh, Bears were in second amongst our defensive rankings, which surprised me a little bit because they were a pretty poor defense last year, all things considered. They had the... Uh, Worst defense by DVOA last year um, by a large margin, the gap between them and the second worst defense was bigger than the gap between the second worst defense and the uh, fourth ranked defense. So big gap there. Um, but we have them projected to be the second best based on their position groups um, carried in large part by the fact that they have, they're projected to have the second best D line and the best inside linebackers and second best safeties um, bit of variance there. Cause we think they're going to have the worst. Yeah, The other two are groups. worst.
1: And this is the thing where compared to last year, they probably improved their inside linebacker from like near the bottom to first. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, and so
1: their overall score instead of being dead last, and they're only ended up like one point ahead one ranking point ahead of the Packers and Lions.
0: Yeah. And then we have the Packers and Lions tied for last. Um, yeah. So we have Vikings 9, Bears 13, Packers and Lions at 14. We have the Packers and Lions tied for last in terms of defense. Um, I hope the Packers are better than that. But, you know, I've been wrong before. <laughs> um, Dad, is there any thoughts you have on these final rankings before we hope start? Hope will kill a
1: man up? inside.
0: Oh, yeah. I hope we'll do it. <laughs> Um, but what, what what uh, I'm going to guess Shawshank redemption.
1: Yes. Nice.
0: Sweet. Great movie. (laughs) Um, but what are your thoughts on these final rankings? Anything you hear before we wrap up? Um, any thoughts on that? I would be a little disappointed if the Packers defense is that bad given all the investment they've had there, but you know, I've, I've been
1: disappointed before. Yeah. So one thing I think if you look at this, we are kind of comparing them to a down year compared to what their expectations were. So like the cornerback room was last year was not as good as we expected. Some of the players not as good as the year before, two of the major contributors, not as good as they were the year before. Um, Same with the D line. So, I mean, in some ways we are using their, their last year's disappointment to drive this year's ranking.
0: Exactly. And the question is, if I think the optimist point of view would be like, hey, they bottomed out last year, and they're going to regress back up. And so projecting from kind of bottoming out last year, and assuming they're going to be just as poor as they were the year before, maybe isn't necessarily fair to them. Maybe you take an average of the last two years, both years under Barry, both years with a lot of the same players, maybe that's a little more fair to the Packers. But that's not what we're doing in this exercise. So from those projections, we have them tied for last. But hey, I, I you know I could certainly see a world where Campbell bounces back with another year next to Quay um where he has a little more experience playing next to him the D line improves as Wyatt gets more snaps instead of Lowry I could see a world where the corners play more press man and less zone which isn't as suited to their skill sets um I don't necessarily see a world where the safeties are all that great but you know I could see a world where Ben How about Nass- a
1: world where they're not like does they get in shouting distance of the other three um teams sure why not <laughs> stranger things have happened um i don't know i, I just I, I you were by you're by that bit of hopium huh i just so think uh, the
0: the safety group hinges on savage having a major bounce back in a system that he has yet to really succeed in and that he was it bo- was benched in last year um i know that they have some hope and that he like they were really glowing of like their praise for him on how he bounced back from that benching, which is awesome. That's that's a huge credit to him because, you know, lesser players would not take that as well. And I think that's a a credit to him. But at the same time, you know, uh, even when he was playing against, playing next to, sorry, a very good player like Amos, um, he struggled and he's not going to necessarily have that safety blanket next to him that he did before. And so I think some of his gambling tendencies in terms of really just biting on biting on fakes biting on double moves are going to be like exaggerated without Amos next to him as my So feeling. we'll see
1: if he plays like he did 2 years ago well 3 seasons ago yeah then the Packers safety group would actually be number 1 I punched in that 72 grade from 2020 and it moves the Packers up to a 70.6 grade I mean we can hope but anyway but this is again where, it, if maybe the numbers would have been very different if we'd done like a two or three year rolling average for each player. Of course, that yeah. makes uh, the rookies well we, we just have to do what we did already, yeah. Um, for the and, for the rookies,
0: but I think you know, I think that is the the biggest argument in favor of the Packers is, hey, they bought they had a really disappointing year last year, so to project off of that disappointing year like it wouldn't be surprising for them to be in last, and you know, there's there's reason to believe they regress positively towards the mean, and yes. that last year was like a essentially like a a below average like sampling, and that a, was on the on the left tail of what they could right. be. But anyway, this has been our preview of the NFC North defenses. To to summarize, we got the we are projecting the Vikings to be to be the best, the Bears to be the second best. And then the Packers and Lions to be tied for third or tied for last, depending on if you're a glass half full or glass half empty kind of, kind of person. Um, but anyway, thanks so much for listening. Like we said, if you like what you heard, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes, no um, articles we find interesting, et etc. et cetera. Um, Come give us a subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, et cetera. We're everywhere. Come subscribe to us on YouTube. It would really help our numbers. We put all our episodes out there as well. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, go Pack Go.
1: Go Pack Go.